This past year, we've all learned a lot of new things. Priests have learned how to live stream worship, and 80-year-olds are now FaceTime experts. We are living and learning digitally. For me, one of the learnings this past year came from a website and attendant phone app called Library Thing. You simply scan each book's barcode or enter its ISBN number, and it starts building information about your book collection. The first thing I learned is that even though three years ago I gave away a ton of books, I still have 1,271 of them in my house, scattered across study and bedroom and attic. I never would have guessed that I had bought that many, and I think they must be breeding at night when the lights are off. Now, as I looked for more data, it got more interesting. One thing that Library Thing does for you is to classify your books so that you can see where your interests lie. I discovered that I don't have a lot of overtly religious books in my house. The plurality of books in my house, 439 in fact, are about food and drink. I had to sit down and figure out what's going on, what was library thing trying to tell me. And it finally hit me. I started buying that genre of books about the time that I finished seminary. Those books may not be overtly religious, but I think they are Christian textbooks all the same. You see, I may not be a great cook, but for the past 30 years, I've attempted to offer food and drink every week in church to anyone who walks in. Because somewhere deep down inside myself, I know about hunger and thirst, and I know that everybody else is hungry and thirsty as well. Those books and my interest in them are signs. They are signs of my own struggle to attain to the feast of the kingdom of heaven. They are signs also of my attempt so that others might sit down at that same table as well. After all, it's not a feast unless there's a crowd. An emphasis on food and drink has been a sign of Christianity from its beginning. Within days of the crucifixion, a stranger cooking fish on an open fire became a sign of the presence of the risen Christ. So much so that the simple image of a fish became a sign of Christianity and remains so until this day. Then we learned that as the first Christians started gathering in houses, they said their prayers and they broke their bread. And thus the Eucharist, with its consecrated bread and wine, and the holy tables on which the Eucharist sits, have become the focus of what Christians do as we gather each week. In a larger sense, bread and wine offered in love became the sign to the outside world of what Christians have tried to do for centuries in all sorts of conditions and places, that is, feed people both literally and figuratively. From its beginning, Christians have understood that allowing people to starve is a sin. This power of food and drink to overcome evil continues right up to the present. As I've told so many people recently, I saw how dramatically our church feeding programs increased during the pandemic. If you want to know something about Christianity, start by focusing on the power of food and drink as a sign, as a token of love.
Christianity has long known the power of signs and tokens. We take small things and turn them into something much larger. Water, bread, wine, touch. If people listened to Lesson in Carol's stories recently in church, they heard the story of Adam and Eve and how they all started messing up when they ate the fruit which was not theirs to eat. It's a sign of what happens when we are selfish. We suffer. But then we also sometimes hear of the opposite. As in also that story from Isaiah that we just read today. In it, Isaiah tells us what deliverance looks like. It is when people get to eat their own food that they have grown and drink their own drink from the vines that they have tended rather than being forced into labor to turn them over to their oppressors. Food becomes a tangible sign of deliverance from slavery and bondage. We take something small and tangible and through it we represent larger truths. And that's also why we're here today. Our sign... Our token of divine love is a baby. For Christians, goodness is never an abstract theological concept. But we're saying today, we've got a crying baby who needs to be fed and who in return brings great joy. Bethlehem was the place where Mary and Joseph touched and fed the body of Christ in the first century. And 2,000 years later, as we look around at all those who hunger, literally or figuratively, and touch them and feed them as well, we are also touching the body of Christ. This action, too, brings great joy. The small, vulnerable child whose birth we celebrate becomes the sign, the token, that love will be lived out in tangible ways, lived out in flesh and blood ways, lived out in love for friend and stranger, in love for neighbor and foe, in love for peace over war, in love for generosity over greed. It's an active love that will not cease until it eliminates the myriad hungers in every human belly and in every human heart. It's been the focus of Christianity, I guess, ever since that baby drew its first breath in Bethlehem. We take small things and through them we see larger truths. Books on a bookshelf. Or canned goods in a food pantry. Or an open door that invites people in who had once been turned away. And on this day, we celebrate a baby born to us as gift and sign. Amen. Amen.